Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh... can I please have your attention? The Dispatch. Um, come by, check things out. Uh, we brought the um, Wednesday G-File out from behind uh, the uh, members-only wall, members-only barrier. What are we, we're not supposed to say paywall. Um, I don't ever understand why. Um, in part because Brett Baer gave it a shout-out on Special Report last night, and we figured marketing reasons it made sense to do, but we try not to do that because we care so much about providing value to our um paid members of the dispatch community so uh yesterday recorded what we are calling the 400th episode and um and uh on paper it was the 400th episode yeah okay so i should be i should say today's episode we are not doing the solo remnant thing we are i have guy here say hi guy hello master thank you for having me um Put, okay, now put the the bit back in, and we have um, uh, and we have Ryan, Ryan Brum. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm yeah. looking at a thing. You know, I, I got I got my I got my my copy of Jugs <laughs> open here. Um, no, and um, it's very distracting. Um, and we have Ryan Brown, uh, who's sort of a roving free safety at the Dispatch. He's a reporter. He's a um, podcast producer. He's um, sort of a bouncer. You know that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, welcome, Ryan. And, um, yeah, almost as, as people know, I'm, I'm persnickety about this 400th episode thing because it just feels like an arbitrary imposition on me. Um, and, uh, and it turned out that, um, the 400th episode was in our hearts all along. And, um, (laughs) uh, what'd you guys think about all that? And, and what, and, and, and no, Ryan, we're not calling this the, the, 400th episode i was gonna say technically technically guy and i could be you one could make an argument that we are on the 400th episode of the remnant right now um yeah and so like there's a couple points about that first of all shut your whore mouth but second (laughs) of all um like even with that on your resume like (laughs) the guest on the 400th episode of the remnant um you would still need a uh 10 punch hold gift card from subway to get a free <laughs> sub of any or anything of, of equal value to having been the 400th guest on this podcast so it's it's yeah no it's, I, it's, it's a, i'm not gonna dine out on it anytime soon i don't although know. i will tell you there are people in washington they exist i'm not saying that you want to date them or hang out at a bar <laughs> with them but there are people in it, it, it exist who would be impressed that you were on the 400th episode if you had been but you're not you're on the 401st episode of if even what this, if even getting being close to the 400th episode buys me one drink in this town, I will be overjoyed. All right. 
Okay, well, I'll buy you a drink and then we're good. Um, <laughs> and we'll never talk about it again. Um, no, Kevin Williamson was great, I think. he's. It's weird. Both he and um, Charlie are slow talkers. And yeah. I appreciate that as a podcast host because it gives me time to think about what I'm going to say in response. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, my mind is always so racing when I'm doing the podcast thing that I will, at the end of it, often be like, so what did he say? <laughs> um, like, what do we talk about? That kind of thing. It's, it's like, like, I love, I love that story he told about, um, Howard Dean. Oh, that was great. <laughs> yeah. The camera goes, that was so funny. It kind of, kind of sounds like kind of like you after the podcast. A little bit. Believe what the hell just came out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> frankly, I can't believe I said shut your whore mouth to you on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I twice <can>. now. Uh, <laughs> twice. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, uh, but no, that's, I mean, that's a real green room thing. Like, um, Oh yeah. Um, what's his face? Um, Lanny Davis. Remember Lanny Davis, the, the Clinton yeah. lawyer spinner yeah. guy, whatever. Um, he was, he had a slightly different strategy. I, I, he would talk to you in the green room. It would flatter you to no end. Like, mm. you know, you're different, Johnny. There are these other, mm people out there in this whole you know impeachment drama blah 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 who are <laughs> just you know they're 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 arguing in bad faith but you're you know you're you care about honesty and you care about facts and blah 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 and it was just and you're smart and, and then you go on tv and he would crap all over you um <laughs> yeah. and working the, the refs yeah exactly and the whole thing was like yeah. uh you know it was like it'd be, it wouldn't just crap over you he would say things like not even Jonah would believe that, you know, and then you have to say, well, actually I do believe that, you know, and yeah. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of that kind of thing. Um, the most, the only one of the few people who was truly, truly consistent in, um, in an evil way, I should say, um, was, uh, uh, you guys, you wouldn't remember her. She's like a college president now, but Julian Malvo, who, uh, Jillian Melva, Julian Melva. She was, um, she was a big pundit. She got famous in the like nineties for being on this horrible, horrible show that I think is still on called to the contrary, um, on PBS. Yeah. And her famous line was that she hoped Clarence Thomas, uh, died of a heart attack because he ate too much fatty food or something oh, like geez. that. And, but anyway, she was on the Sunday show I was on, on CNN and, um, um, it was, you know, now Jake Tapper does it. What State of the Union? I, was called, I don't even know. Yeah, what it was called, I don't know if it was called that back then. But like the regulars were me, Robbie George, and Peter Beinart, and then they rotated from Donna Brazil, who's literally one of the nicest, sweetest people in the universe. Yeah. Even though when the yeah. camera's on, she's very much a political, you know, person. Um, yeah. And Julie Malvo, who was one of the nastiest human beings I've ever met in my entire life, <laughs> and just on and off, on and off, just a gnarly, nasty person. And, um, there was one time where a friend of mine was subbing for me and I'll, I'll leave his name out of it, but he was like, wow, what's going on with that Malvo person? <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And it was like, well, we were in the conference room at CNN. We had, we used the conference room instead of the green room to prep for the show. And, okay. and someone was like, uh, and some congressman like brought his kids cause it's Sunday afternoon and you know, you bring your kids sure. to, and they're, they're, fun. they're running around shooting rubber bands, whatever. And she turns to my friend and says, you know, 
I hate kids. <laughs> Especially white ones. Because you know if they were oh if they God. were if they were black, they'd be in jail right now. And like Oh my god. And like it's like my friend is like looking at this kid, like they're sh- Throwing paper airplanes and being a little loud oh and God. shooting rubber bands. And they're, it's like they're, I don't know, being kids yeah, is what, what's happening. Pretty sure if they were black, oh they God. wouldn't be hauled off. So um anyway, uh Wow. And she uh anyway, she was a very unpleasant person. And um, but she was a there was a consistency to it. You know, there was like I, I she wasn't fake on TV. Yeah. Yeah, I do kind of appreciate that. And I always think about that because Malvo tastes like it's it, i think it translates into bad veal um but that's neither really either. yeah mal mal being bad bo sure there you go. yeah I, I should say on the on the 400th episode point for the dispatch diehards who are really immersed in this conan o'brien saga I have been in touch with Conan's manager uh very have nice you really? no way. very nice fellow by the name of Gavin Pallone um who, for, purely no out of way. self-interest jonah i don't care about you uh, going on his show i just wanted him to do that uh <laughs> simpsons piece uh yeah. and gavin got back to me and said uh that conan essentially doesn't want to do any more interviews or crossovers or some such this year because he's burned out from promoting that final episode uh-huh. uh but next year when he's back and recuperated again it could pass something could come of it he could agree to talk to me, and Whoa. he could also agree to talk to you. So here we are. Wow. <laughs> that would be awesome. I liked the order there yeah. that you said that he might agree to the interviews. But that's awesome. That would be very, very cool. Um, so my job spe- will be safe for another four months. Conceivably. <laughs> possibly. Um, um, we'll see how wow, good you I, do at cutting the crust off my toes. Um, <laughs> um, no one can see, but my hair is looking very Conan today. It is, actually. That was- yeah. Horrible radio podcasting, but it does look Conan. Um, you do have half a radio brand. That's quite right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. So I know we're, we're we're jumping ahead here a little bit, but like, um, and maybe we can circle back to this. But um, his, if you haven't listened to it, he basically did an emergency podcast about Norm Macdonald. Yeah, that was great. It was just yeah. really really good. Um, yeah, but uh, I listened maybe- to parts of it. Um, and, and uh, more than that, I've just been watching all of probably all of the possible Norm Conan videos on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're just so good. Um, it's funny. Like, I mean, I don't mean this to be a self aggrandizing thing, but like when you listen to him talk about the, when you listen to all these guys talk about him as, um, is almost not caring whether the audience got the joke. He just cared about yeah. delivering the joke for its own yeah. merits. Um, um, I, you know, again, I'm not Norm Macdonald. I'm not any of that kind of, stuff, but like it does, right. it, it catches on a sort of, it's sort of the comedic version of kind of what we're trying to do with the dispatch here, which <laughs> yeah, is a little bit, yeah. you know, it was sort yeah. of like, I keep trying to explain to people that we're not like, again, we're, we're, we, we talked about things we might want to talk about here and we thought we'll do stuff about the comment section of Norm Macdonald at the end, but we're here. So screw yeah. it. Um, what the hell? Like I'm going through the comment section on um, on the Wednesday G file, and there are people. I mean, I should not be surprised about this since I've been subjected to this kind of crap for almost 30 years now. You know, with emails mm-hmm. and comment sections and all this kind of stuff, and it's so common. But the number of people who are absolutely confident what my motives are and why I wrote what I wrote the way I wrote it, and like completely wrong. 
just like wildly yeah. wrong, you know. Um, yeah. and it was like, there's this guy, Pat Riot, you know, who's constantly oh, yeah. jumping on, jumping ugly on me in the comment section. <laughs> and it's, it's that, that dude is over all of the comment sections. He is a, he's a common, common theme in the dispatch comment sections. I, I guess I should talk to management about this guy. Um, tell him to yeah. cancel his own <laughs> goddamn subscription, ain't eh, Jonas? I just, uh, like, I mean, I, like, I mean, obviously, National Review had these kinds of people. Um, mm-hmm. And even AI has these kinds of people. There used to be like two or three people who'd show up at literally every single uh, panel mm-hmm. and talk at AI. And at, mm-hmm. at AI, there could be in a week 15, and they'd be there yeah. and they'd ask the first yeah. question. <laughs> and yeah. um, it, wasn't necessarily always like Michael Flynn and the salad dressing level <laughs> stuff, but um, yeah. people get obsessed with their like little niches. I just don't understand why if you hate something so much, you want to hang out and gripe about it all day long like that. But there are people who do. Oh, I, I, think, oh, there's I think there's a, a lot of people that do. In, in my <laughs> experience, there is a, I think there's a very real distinction between the NR comment section and the dispatch comment section, because the dispatch section, it is it is heartening to read a lot of the time. People do have a lot oh, of I agree. Yeah. plenty yes, of very robust, lucky. intelligent debates on there, which is really refreshing. Yeah. It shows you're attracting the right people. I remember on that Brett Stevens profile I did a, a few weeks ago, another one is coming soon, hint, hint, for both people listening to care. Yeah. Um, Another Brett Stevens profile? Oh, yes, about covering uh, the next 10 years of his life. It's fantastic. Uh, okay. No, of, of, a different, of a different person in media. Okay. The, the, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were serious. Like, wow. Jeez, like, I can't believe Steve said okay to this. <laughs> I Brett Stevens, the-, the middle years. <laughs> <laughs> the Jerusalem saga. <laughs> Well, now I've lost my point, but I was going to—I was going to make some kind of point about the in comments the comments and yeah, the comments on there were very interesting, and it shows that people do pay close attention to what you write, and nothing slips by them. And if they disagree with something, yeah. or if they agree with something equally vehemently, they will let you know, and they will discuss it. NR, on the other hand, and I think this was on <laughs> perfect display in that corner post you wrote the other day, Jonah. People on there, it, it can be like walking into the monkey cage at the zoo. So much aggression and mad raving. But at the same time, all of yeah. these, and most of the people on there also seem to thoroughly dislike NR. And yet they're giving NR their money to have the privilege of commenting. It's always been mystifying yeah. to me. Yeah, so there's a, there's a may, I mean, this is one of the things that we debated and went, had all sorts of different ideas about comment sections going back to the beginning of NRO. And the part of the problem is, and that's like documented. I mean, there's like papers on this. Um, There's like a Pareto distribution where there's this tiny percentage of people who behave like jackasses in comment sections. And what happened, it's sort of like what I was talking about with, with Kevin yesterday about democracy where the center doesn't hold. And you have like, yeah, normals are turned off by, really passionate, angry sure. people on either side of a question. So they don't pay attention. And so they kind of hang back and they, maybe they lurk or maybe they just don't look at the comments and you end up having comment sections hijacked by the most passionate, but you know, the people with the most heat, but who shed the most light and the least light. And, right. um, and how you fix that 
is really hard. You know, you moderate it. That's expensive. It's time consuming. Um, and so, you know, we have a very light touch. I very rarely jump into the comments, but I've been doing it a little bit more lately just because, and like, so like when guy, you're saying how people focus on every single thing that you write. I got no problem with that. If someone says you're wrong yeah. here. Absolutely. Yeah. That's an argument, right? It's when people right. say, clearly you wrote this because you were trying to convince everybody that Joe Biden is no better than Donald Trump. And you're pretending to be a both sides guy because really the lizard people have put a chemical in your fried chicken that yeah. makes you crave it fortnightly or whatever it is. Like yeah. <laughs> when they think that they know why I'm writing something and that it's not for the reasons on the page, like it's not yeah. the art they're bringing their own theories. Like essentially it's a conspiracy theory of yeah. one, right? This yeah. is what Jonah Goble's real motive is. And that's how you should read what's going on here. Straussians can pull that crap off, but not people in comment sections about an op-ed that I literally wrote in three hours at a cigar place two blo two blocks down from my office, right? It's just a yeah. different thing. And um and it, it sometimes it just it kind of baffles me. But. I I always I've never been a big comments section guy. Like I love politics. I've even from a young age, but I was never, I never delved into the comment section because I just didn't believe what the people were saying that they actually believed it. Like, I just kind of feel like I kind of look at those people as just attention seeking people that just want, want the dislikes, even because I think it, uh, bad press is good press, you know, yeah, and they just yeah. want attention and they just want people to interact with them. Um, no, it's sort of like so in I high just, school. I, I don't really believe them. It's like in high school, the, the rule isn't that the opposite of love is hate. The opposite of love yeah. is indifference, right? Right, exactly. You know, yeah. Like stalkers totally. get, totally. still get something out of hanging outside your exactly. bedroom window. Speaking of stalkers, yeah. and, and, um, and I don't mean about your extracurricular stuff, that's your business. But um, <laughs> uh, I told you not to talk about that. So like I was explaining to my wife the other day. Uh, who one day I'll get back on this podcast. I think I have an in. Um, <laughs> uh, she didn't realize that Chuck Todd like trends all the time on Twitter. And it's yeah. almost always because of attacks from the left. Yes. Um, you're a former yes. meet the press guy, which of course is immediately now that there's somebody out there who didn't know that about you. And then <laughs> now they're saying it all makes sense now, right? It's, yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. But you worked at he never mentions it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, did you guys have an operating theory of like what that was all about? Um, like, because like some yeah, the, I, that guy recently who went nuts about how Chuck didn't have any Democratic politicians on to rebut Republican oh, ones. He, He's nuts. That guy is crazy. That guy, that guy has built an entire Twitter following just solely based on, on hating Chuck. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing um, in a bad way. Like he's truly like if you scroll through, that's all he tweets about. He puts it in his it's in his bio. Like I think it's in his name now. Yeah. He was like a former writer for The Daily Show or something. I don't know. He's he, yeah, he's just crazy. Um, but like, and yeah, you're astounding. calling like you can have an argument with Chuck Todd. That's fine. I mean, like, I disagree sure. with Chuck. I've known Chuck for a long time. Sure, my wife worked sure. for Chuck at the hotline. Aha, yeah, another dot connected. <laughs> but like, uh, and I I understand criticisms of Chuck from the left and the right. But like, calling yeah. him a right wing propagandist 
that's weird, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think the working th- the theory that we came up with this is is that he doesn't play to one side. Like he does his best to truly kind of play down the middle. And I think it's just become this meme. Yeah. That people just kind of they just blame him for everything. Thank God he he decided a couple when I was still there that he's just off Twitter. Like he just doesn't check it much, yeah. um, which is <laughs> way healthier mentally. Um, but I think it's just people decided he's the one that is the, the reason for all of our problems on social media. And it's, I don't think it's going away. Thank God he's just off it. So he yeah. doesn't see it. And what's amazing is a lot of times when he's trending, he, it's nothing he did. Like the other day I saw he was trending and I still weirdly get like anxious when I see his name. Cause we used to get, it, we stopped caring after a while just cause it happened so much, but Casey hunt tweeted something about the California elections mm-hmm. saying that this is like a, this is a fight between normal people and elite people and Newsom's elite and Democrats are going to have a really hard time convincing people that they're not just for the elites or something like that, something like that. And he was trending because <laughs> people were calling her the new Chuck Todd of CNN because she used to work at NBC mm-hmm. and now she just went to CNN and he was trending for this. And I was like, what, why are people so obsessed <laughs> with blaming Chuck for all of their problems? It is astounding. Um, it is astounding. I like, I, I like the idea that just quickly, and this goes back to what you were saying, the salad and the other day, the idea that Larry Elder, former corporate lawyer, turned extremely right. famous prominent pundit and radio host isn't in some way part of the elite is <laughs> a champion right. of the ordinary folk yeah 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 no it's just it's all it, it just it's just weird i mean like people like had a similar obsession with tim russert back in the day that you know he wasn't mm-hmm. that you know, i remember i was at a brookings panel thing as the Tokelin troglodyte at right winger and um uh and i remember i think it was harold myerson said you know jonah you know the problem with you is that you actually think that tim russert's a liberal and i was like you mean the f- former pat moynihan <laughs> aide and i think he worked for mario cuomo guy you know i yeah. mean like yeah exactly um Exactly. Did I, I? I haven't seen him at the editorial meetings at National Review. I mean, like, <laughs> um, but anyway. somehow, yeah, no, I, I weirdly am a huge fan of Tim Russert because he went to my college, and I wouldn't be here without him. Um, and uh, people are people still talk to me specifically about how much they loved him, and a lot of times, it's a lot of old Catholic folks that um, say, "Well, you know, he was a Democrat, but." You knew deep down he was pro-life. <laughs> and I was like, do, do we know that? I don't know. Like, I, just, I just don't know. Like, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying you don't know that and I don't know that either. And maybe we can just say he's good at his job and just call it, call it that. Like, it doesn't matter his opinion on abortion as to whether or not he's a good host. Yeah. I mean, I, I had my problems with Russell. I mean, Russell, I think he was an eminently nice, decent guy. But like, yeah. um, like his obsession... I'm not saying he was wrong about the substance of it, but his obsession with green eyed shade stuff kind of got old after a while. And like, yeah. also part of it, and this is a problem of, of punditry generally, or people in this line of work. And it's a particular problem for me. Cause I kind of write funny stuff a lot is that mm-hmm. 
like you got to be careful about like coming up with your getting too addicted to your catchphrase. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like his Florida, Florida, Florida thing. Like, yeah. like he was obsessed with it becoming, a like was going to be in his obituaries. The guy who said Florida, yeah. Florida, Florida <laughs> for the 2000 election. And I mean, it works. No, it did. It did. But like, it was just, it got kind of old after a while. It's sort of like with Carl Rove and you know, and I, I got, you know, I, I like Carl, but like, yeah. His greaseboard thing. He became. It was. It, it was like Captain America has a shield and Carl has his greaseboard. You know, at some <laughs> point the shtick stuff gets a little weird. And yeah. um, but you know, sleepy eyes. What are you gonna do? Um. All right. So what else are we supposed to yeah. be talking about here? I know, guy, you don't pay any attention to oh, your homeland. No. Um. Are there like the equivalents of like Chuck Todd's or Tim Russert's in the UK? Are there people? Uh, are, are there are there Sunday shows like this? I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Uh, not not really. No, actually, there is a new network that's just been created that's emulating the Fox News kind of approach. But all of the all of the main mm. all of the main uh, TV news stations are supposed to be impartial and are legally bound to by uh, Ofcom, I think, is the agency, so they don't have. They just run rolling news, and they do have presenters, but there aren't panels or big personalities or anything like that. There's a new network that's been created called GD News, which I think is emulating that. Uh, but it looks like the Young Turks or a YouTube talk show, from what I've seen. I don't know. Mm. If, I don't know where the budget went, and I also have no idea how well it's doing or what the ratings are. Maybe they're successful, but otherwise, no, not really. But I mean, you have people talking about politics. I mean, you have you have these old, very weird, weirdly polite people looking at the morning papers, talking about what they see in the morning papers and that kind of stuff, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, where do they? I've do been that? on some of those shows. <laughs> you have, uh huh. <laughs> well, I mean, again, this is this is really not my field, Jonah. Uh, uh -huh. But there are that there are prominent. It still surprises me every time you claim not to be. An expert in your own country. Yes, like, expert. Who's asking me. him to be an expert? I mean, yeah, no, I'm that's, asking that's him to be true. moderately knowledgeable about his own country. <laughs> just, just familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you're right, right. You're right. I don't mean this as, as any offense to you, but like, you're not an expert on America. No. But if I ask you the equivalent God, of the no. kind of questions I ask Guy about America, about England, yeah. about you, you could answer all of them fluently. Yes. Um, that, yes, that was a deeply that was a deeply embarrassing moment the other day. But I think it was in the green room. But people at home may appreciate. I actually have a law degree, and Jonah asked me a incredibly basic question about English criminal law of what the oh yeah equivalent yeah. of something an American criminal law would be. And I realized I had absolutely no idea and couldn't even begin an answer. <laughs> had no sense of it whatsoever. So I'm not really sure. That was forty grand in debt, well incurred for that. Okay, so are you Wasn't sure you're like... in England? <laughs> I mean, I mean, how do you know for sure? Could you, are you maybe you're in Brussels? That's why you don't like the place so much. It's it's possible. I try not to go outside. So I personally have only seen guy in this very room that he always does these in. In his where's Waldo shirt. You know, yes, exactly. <laughs> yep, same shirt. And there's no evidence. Oh, those plates are new because you leaned over when you laughed just there. But I have there, and there's no evidence based on this room that he is in England. I mean, there's nothing 
There's no sun is actually creeping through outside as well. So could easily all the more be. reason. Yeah, to prove against. Okay, I'm gonna call an audible here and tell you guys a story. And you cannot ask me certain specific follow-ups because I promise to keep some of the people's out of it. Um, oh, but wow. it, it occurred to me. Well, just I was gonna go on this long riff about how maybe guys like some sort of like long con operative and like he actually lives in it you know like in columbia maryland and this is all <laughs> fake, right yeah so recently um I, I, again I, 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 maybe i shouldn't be doing this but uh so recently i was driving back from my cigar shop i get a call from jack butler uh former producer of this podcast former research assistant um now a uh successful writer at national review Saying, hey, um, sorry to just call you out of blue like this, but uh, I think when I have an example, we might have a, it might be urgent and you might have a case of identity theft going on here. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. tell me more. Because like Jack, <laughs> when he was <laughs> yeah. my RA, he had my social security number, my credit card numbers, my freaking flyer. I mean, like he could, yeah. Yeah. he would, he has reason to know if, if identity theft stuff is going on. Email and, me. That'd, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing if he was like, I'm sitting on the beaches of Antigua <laughs> <laughs> and I've stolen, I've successfully pulled off his plot. I'm Email pretty me sure. at home if any of you would like Jonah's social security number and credit card information and frequent exactly. flyer files. <laughs> um, and so, uh, he, again, I'm going to be vague about some of this. A friend of his got in touch with him because someone at their institution um, was contacted about coming on Jonah Goldberg's podcast. Mm -hmm. And they were contacted by someone claiming to be Jonah Goldberg with an email address, a Google address that was Jonah.Goldberg something at Gmail. And this person claimed to be me and said that they were uh, the author of liberal fascism and tyranny cliches and would you like a yeah. free copy and blah, 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 and had like links to Dropbox accounts of uh, illegal PDFs of wow. my books. And, <gasps> and wow, they got this, this was like a week and a half ago and they got this very weird, they got, they got the people of this institution said, great. And um, so the person at this institution did the podcast with the person oh. purporting to be me. Now, I want to be very clear, <laughs> it, it was not me. And, <laughs> um, and it turns out that the person who was pretending to be me had a pretty thick East European accent. <laughs> and so, like... That they, that they didn't try to hide? No, no, no. <laughs> and they did the whole podcast. And Wow. So then, you know, so I get in touch with the person that Jack knows and blah, 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 blah. And very nice people, all decent professional people. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. That's why I'm trying to keep it vague. And um, uh, they, and we talk about it. So I'm like, I talk to them about it. You know, what's going on, whatever. They're like, yeah, we're freaking out, blah, 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 blah. They forward me the email. It's got um, all these links in it. And I was like, you know, maybe you're, I would be more worried about you guys clicking on these links. It could be a phishing thing or something like that. And, but I did ask, I was like, did, did the East European accent kind of maybe tip you off that it wasn't me? 
and um uh and they were and again i don't want to embarrass anybody so i'll just be brief about it, it was like they were like yeah no it was just it, the whole thing was just so weird so um i call the first person i call actually is trying to get the chronology right first person i call was david french because since he works at the dispatch he's a close friend and he's a lawyer i figure okay free legal advice whatever and so i call david and david says huh i um never heard of anything like this and um uh and i'm like yeah it's weird and he's like you know and we start talking about it for a bit and and Dave was like, you know, I don't think anybody has ever like I've never heard of a case of somebody impersonating uh intellectual or a writer. Um, I don't know like what you like what you do, like who would do such a thing? I can't imagine such a thing. And I didn't have the heart to tell David at the time that um not only do I have I heard of such things, that dispatch co-founder Stephen Hayes once former pretend, terrorist steve hayes that's right former terrorist watch list <laughs> guy steve hayes and and matt labash a uh, former weekly standard yeah. writer at a white house correspondence dinner after party pretended to be me and tucker carlson for a media columnist for the new york observer and said all sorts of ridiculous things that and like and as as if he was me and wait a minute in person they in did person this, like, in person in person in person so this man this columnist is talking to steve and matt, matt labash as and does not realize they are not jonah and tucker yes <laughs> and um and he, he wrote for the observer and um uh story within a story short um uh he ran with all these quotes oh my god and like Steve was really embarrassed and, and Labash thought it was hilarious, obviously. And, um, Oh my God. And the guy from the observer, uh, called me and he was like, yeah. Okay. So they got me. <laughs> um, and I'll let Steve explain why he did this. He feels like the guy had it coming cause he was like surreptitiously report recording people at a cocktail party. I didn't know any of that stuff until I talked to him about it like two weeks ago or a week ago. And, um, wow. But uh, the guy called me and he's like, what do you want me to do? Like, <laughs> um, do you want me to issue correction? You know, how, we, how do you want me to handle this? And yeah. I just, I was kind of, I thought I was being a very clever dick where I was just sort of like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Besides, I don't think anybody's going to read it. And just yeah. sort of left it at that. <laughs> um, and what, what was he going to say? He was like, I, I, was, I was like letting him off the hook. So like me being a little yeah. bit of a jerk. So anyway. Yeah, but I, so I didn't allowed, tell David any of this. So David, David gives me one set of advice. He's like, get a lawyer, you know, like who's at a law firm who can write a cease and desist thing. I'm like, yeah. okay, whatever. So I call very good friend of mine, Shannon Coffin, the guy who was on the podcast a week ago, yeah. who's a very good friend of mine and a lawyer, major lawyer at a major law firm, and yeah, he has completely different advice. He's like, dude, you don't understand. Like, I can write a letter, but like, they're willing to do this, like you know if it's a grift if it's a con whatever like what's the letter gonna do and right. he's like it's a crime it's a crime it's 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 fraud um 
for commercial purposes across state lines. And he listed like two other things that it was, I mean, it's like literally a crime and a felony. Yeah. And, and he's like, you should report it to the FBI and law enforcement. And he, he sends me the links to the things where you can fill out the thing and do that, that whatever. And I was like, and he's like, but they're not going to do anything. And yeah. because it's just, I mean, what, what, what damages am I showing that like some, I was going to say like, did they make any money? No, like, some expert on, on an obscure public policy issue got cheated yeah. out of a half hour of his time talking to yeah. somebody with <laughs> yeah. East European accent. That wasn't me. Like, where's the, right. like, and like, I don't like right. the guy giving away copyrighted, you know, material that I should get royalties on for my books, but you know, like, like, yeah. So you lost 45 99. Oh, I, I wish it was 45 <laughs> 99 for two books. I mean, like if my cut were 45 99 for two books, I would be recording this from my villa in the Aegean right now. Um, <laughs> shows, shows my knowledge of books. Uh, rule of thumb, at least it used to be, is that for hardcover, you make about a buck a book the author and really? for paperback it's uh, uh, 30 cents something like that um oh. don't get me started on that thing um but <laughs> so uh and then i talked to steve and he was like maybe you should just reach out to the guy and say you know because you know, i don't know what you're doing but you know stop kind yeah. of hey can you not yeah, yeah. and A.B. Stoddard had some other advice and um, my wife had some other advice and um, the whole thing was just so unbelievably weird, right? And yeah. one of my favorite moments is when I'm talking to this person who Jack put me in touch with, um, she, uh, she says, you know, we kind of realize pretty quickly that this, there's something wrong here. But the problem is that when you Google Jonah Goldberg's podcast, your podcast comes up <laughs> and i'm like what yeah <laughs> <laughs> funny how that works <laughs> what so uh anyway there's more to the story but again I, I i feel bad about even this much disclosure but i figured i'd make some news here um <laughs> what a wild excuse and to be confused and so i um Oh my god! I I ultimately emailed these people because oh so the, here's the thing is like the next day, uh there was a piece on like Mediate or one of those sites about how there are these kind of like um uh Mary prankster uh yeah guys what's the right wing one that um they go undercover. Oh. Project Veritas. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a left wing Project Veritas stuff too, and someone. And like yeah. Mediate or some one of these places had a long piece about how a bunch of dudes pretended to be, or a guy pretended to be Paul Wolfowitz. And the man shtick was to like make fun of AI people or whatever. And so like they pretended to, some guy pretended to be Paul Wolfowitz and called into, I believe, Newsmax and was like, yeah, the Afghan war, that was awesome. We should do a couple more. And like, just completely like not Paul Wolfowitz saying non Paul Wolfowitz yeah. and stuff. And apparently the host knew Paul Wolfowitz and didn't catch on that. This wasn't Paul Wolfowitz. And apparently they invited him back on. <laughs> back on. Wow. Anyway, so I wrote a letter. I wrote an email to these guys saying, Hey, look, uh, I don't know if you're, if this was like some part of like some long, uh, practical joke. I don't know if this is part of some con or some grift or some yeah. weird undercover journalistic 
prank or or if it's a straight up crime. But I do know that what you're doing is illegal. And if you keep doing it, I will like file criminal charges and all of these kinds of things and blah, blah, blah. So I guess the moral of it is if if when in doubt and you get an email from me that isn't Jonah (laughs) at the dispatch dot com or 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 from AEI dot org, assume it's not me. <laughs> okay, it. just, just like got work it. on it. Particularly, yeah, just, just just assume. Also, if I'm just out of the blue giving away free copies of my books for no, reason. <laughs> I mean, like, don't do that. So, um, but I thought you guys liked the now. You know, but, but if you I, know what, you know who I, you know who I think it is. Huh. I think it's Pat Riot from the Dispatch comments section, <laughs> seeking revenge <laughs> for all of the, all of the crap we've dealt with. but what, what what revenge i mean that's the part what, what harm like someone talked to I'm, somebody else about something i'm not interested in for a half hour well, but that's what i don't understand because if, if it is just a prank why would you go to that to that sort of means why would you incur right. that much trouble to prank somebody that's for a, no one's edification for no material gain just to make yourself laugh i guess I, I, <laughs> very specific i will give you prank. more details when we're not recording but exactly like yeah and like yeah. so like I, I actually said to jack when he was telling when he was describing this thing to me at the beginning i was like look i i i know that polish jokes are no longer polite in, in decent society <laughs> oh my God, those are my favorite and i don't those tell them anymore jokes. you know i mean you, and but the guys east european this sounds like <laughs> the most polish identity theft in you know human history I mean, it's like what like they did nothing to, I mean, it's so yes. weird it's just so yep. weird it was like and like the idea yep. that some and apparently the the podcast like there were no like gotcha weird questions that yeah like he didn't make a fool out of you <laughs> like he didn't you know, like, oh, apparently not I, I, say anything. I haven't listened to it i don't know where to find yeah. the Do- jonah doppelganger podcast but I um, personally would love to listen to that. Yeah. I would listen to all 30 minutes of it. I mean, it was like uh, one friend of mine was like, maybe it's Seb Gorka because he's not the East European thing. I, 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 yeah. I have no idea. It's just, it's just a strange wow. thing. Just Makes me strange. think of, uh, I don't know if you remember the Simpsons where they have the film festival and Mr. Burns wants to get Spielberg and can't get it. So, so, so he says, bring me his non-union Mexican equivalent. Send your Spielberg. <laughs> get me Jonah Goldberg. Oh, he can't get him. Get me his non-union Eastern European equivalent. He'll promote the books. Maybe. It's just, it's just, wow. it just, it's super weird. It's super weird. Jonah, speaking of... Um, people that are not part of the Goldberg family representing the Goldberg family mm-hmm. in public, this impeachment show. Oh, the your, your, FX mom, thing? your mom is featured. Yeah. Yes. The American crime story impeachment. Yeah. You haven't written about it. Are you avoiding it? I have not watched it. My mom has. Okay. Um, and oh, has she? yeah, yeah. My mom gets a kick out of this stuff. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I t- I've seen all the episodes so far. Okay. So how is it just b- before we, I mean, how old were you when all this happened? Like six? younger i five i was one one or two oh jesus (laughs) i was born in 95 so yeah um it's interesting i listened to the slow burn podcast when it came out and they did the impeachment stuff so like i i know of all i know all the details um but it's a it's a compelling show Mm -hmm. um the actors are all very good um well the linda trip is the woman who plays my mom is a great actress i mean i haven't seen her version of my mom i 
I got an email from Kevin when it came out saying that the accent is wrong, which it probably is. But um, um, yeah, I think she's only been in one episode. I think that's right. I think she's only in one episode, Um, at least uh, when I I looked it up on the because I wanted to just prepare myself like if. Sure. sure. When the list of episodes showed up on IMDb, I was like, oh my gosh, is she in every episode? And yeah. And then yeah. at least at least when I checked, she was only in one. So like Okay. So far that's that's true. Yeah. And she's just kind of portrayed as a chain smoking, straight talking book salesman. Uh she's a little more net. Um Yeah. I would uh, imagine. I would hope. Yeah. 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 Um uh I wouldn't say it was bad. Like it wasn't a bad. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's I fine. I mean, like, inaccurate. So, yeah. I, I, so I, there, there are many reasons why I haven't watched it. And I might watch it yeah. at some point, and I think my wife is going to watch it without me and you know, that kind of thing. Sure. So, um, and for listeners who don't know, so, like, again, my mom was Lucy Ann Goldberg. She was the one who told Linda Tripp to uh, record her conversations with Monica or, or have some other proof that what you're saying is true, including, like, save the dress thing and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. My mom was a very controversial person, was a very controversial person, big troublemaker in all sorts of ways, lived a very exciting, wild, interesting life. I have many stories. Um, Maybe one of my favorite stories about my mom is that, so she used to, when she lived in D.C., um, one of her favorite places to hang out was um, Duke Zebert's, which was, you know, where the Mortons is on Connecticut Avenue now. That used Mm -hmm. to be this very famous joint. It was like where Larry King, like, held court. Uh And it was a Washington because it was near the Washington Post. It was where in the K Street. So it was where people went to like jibber jabber. And um, um, and Duke lost ownership, I believe, of the restaurant in the late 70s or early 80s um, in a poker game or something like that. And um, (laughs) But they, but he was such a personality. He was like the Colonel Sanders of Duke Zebert's, it was, and it was named after him, right? Yeah. So he stayed on as the host. Anything to do with Duke's Grocery, also in DC? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. And um, it's another restaurant. And so, uh, but in the '60s, you know, my mom was like part of like Madman, Madman Washington sure. style, right? Where like she used to tell me about how like at lunch at the press club you'd start with a martini then have a bottle of wine, you know, and then maybe have a beer and a steak, whatever. And then you go back to yeah. the office and write. And like, I, <laughs> I'm a drinker, but like, I, I don't day drink at yeah. all. I mean, I make jokes <laughs> about it, but like, I would need to nap sure. after a steak and a couple martinis yeah. <laughs> on a Tuesday. Um, yeah. but anyway, so Duke's at lunchtime was normally the bar was like three people deep and everybody was having fun and all that kind of stuff. And, wow. um, and anyway, the only reason I bring it up is that's where my mom's engagement party was. And, oh. um, they closed the place down for her cause she was very close with Duke. And, um, so this is like 65, 66. And, um, they, uh, have back then, at least this is the way I remember the story. Filipino busboys were all the rage back in the sixties. It was like the white house mess, whatever. And so like these Filipino guys yeah. come out with this big, uh, brass tray with a dome on it you know like a goose should be underneath it and it's my mom's engagement present and they bring it out and everyone's quiet here it is here it is and they lift the dome and it's like my bomb my mom's like three thousand dollar bar tab torn up um (laughs) and that was her engagement present. and these are like 1966 dollars so it was like real money you know yeah Uh, yeah yeah, absolutely 
Um, so wow. anyway, she's she has lots of stories. She worked on the yeah. She was a spy for Nixon on the McGovern thing and all that kind of stuff. It was very scandalous for my <laughs> for my dad because my dad was a serious journalist and it gets long yeah. and old and all that kind of stuff. I don't condone what she did. This is not you know all that kind of stuff. Love her dearly, but we're different people. And um, but she was a great mom. Like when my dad would yeah. take my brother and I to the zoo on Central Park on weekends, my mom when I was a little kid was an auxiliary mounted police officer with the New York city police department. And she would ride up in her what? police uniform and scoop us up and give us rides around the zoo. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she's a cool mom. That's awesome. Definitely a cool mom. Yeah. Wow. You know, and, awesome. um, yeah. so anyway, uh, um, I don't watch it in part because I get defensive about her. My mom is subject sure. and, sure, and legitimately subject to all sorts of criticism. Um, but like, there's some I get Irish when it comes to my mom, you know, and also nice. I I think Monica Lewinsky behaved very, very, very badly back then. Um, but I also think that young twenty four year olds or whatever she was when it started um, should not be cursed for the rest of their life. And right. so I've generally not criticized. I think Monica Lewinsky has lied about a lot of things. I think she has spun things a lot of different ways. Um, yeah that I disagree with, but, um, she's a, she's a producer on the show. Yeah, of course she is. You know, of course she is. And, but like, this should not have been a life sentence for her. Um, and, um, and so I try to avoid watching or reading about this stuff because I don't want to get dragged into a fight that is, is not worth having. My positions on Bill Clinton are very, 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 very well known. Um, and, um, big fan. Um, (laughs) it was amazing. I think it was the times of London had this piece that they were promoting on Twitter the other day. And the, the summary of it was, uh, at the time it looked like a, some sort of, uh, typical affair romance thing, whatever. Um, but now with the benefit of hindsight in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein, me too, you know, stuff. It now looks like a middle-aged man and a predatory relationship with an underage woman. And this, like this legit pisses me off because yeah, that was literally what I was saying at the time on TV <laughs> and everywhere else. Really? Yeah. I, look, I, I went to an all women's college. I like got drenched in all this feminist stuff about disproportionate power yeah. relationships and blah, 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 blah. Sure. I took the feminist stuff kind of seriously, even when I disagreed with it. I yeah. thought they were all honest. And the beclowning of American feminism during that period where all of a sudden it went from sexual right. harassment is a real problem with real you know, consequences to that leading feminists of the age saying that um, you know, men should get one free grope, um, which is what Gloria Steinem literally wrote in the New York Times. Um, or was it wow. Katie Royfe saying that, you know, Monica Lewinsky was actually, um, a empowered feminist cause she was using her sexuality to get the jobs that she wanted from the president of the United States. And I'm like, wait a second. I thought wow. we had established some stuff here. And, um, I was also a big fan of Clarence Thomas and during the Clarence Thomas hearings, you know, they made him into a sexual predator cause he allegedly made a joke about a pubic hair on a Coke can. And yeah. meanwhile, Bill Clinton, you know, was was playing, you know, you know, landlord and down on her luck actress with an intern right. 
Um, and everyone was like, you know, why are you such a prude for, for yeah. being offended <laughs> by this? And, um, yeah. and there was always that scene in Jerry Maguire, which still to this day pisses me off where like Tom Cruise makes a move on Renee Zelliger. Um, and despite their, you know, obvious and well-established romantic tension in the movie and, mm -hmm. um, and all of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Um, I shouldn't have done that. Now I feel like Clarence Thomas. And, oh. and it was like, you couldn't, you couldn't say, now I feel like Bill Clinton. You know I mean? It's like, yeah. so like there was like this whole cultural thing going on that I have I, to this day. I mean, that the two things that give me insight and make me a little immune to a lot of the, the herd crap out there um, mm -hmm. was watching how many people like absolutely betrayed their principles that they were trying to impose on everybody during the Clinton stuff. And then, yeah. and then the Trump stuff, which happened, which was sort of, to me, sort of like the right wing version of what I saw happen with Democrats. It also, right. It was a wonderful education about, you know, except prior to the Lewinsky thing, I was, you know, I'd been at AEI. I wrote eggheady freelance stuff for the public interest and commentary and that and national review and that kind of thing. Then I became a television producer where I produced a really geeky, dorky television show called <laughs> Think Tank. I mean, literally, it was called Think Tank. And yeah. um, and then I got dragged into like this huge, I shouldn't say drag because I had some agency in this. I was like, I'm, I'm not pulling the Joe Biden and just saying th events unfolded. <laughs> um, like I, I had something to do with it. It was exciting and, and interesting and all that kind of stuff. And a little yeah. bit went to my head, I'll admit. But I never lied about anything. And yeah. I... And I steadfastly, you know, uh, you know, said things that I actually believed in. And but it was an amazing education to see how back then this is well, not entirely pre-internet, obviously, because like Drudge right. got the Newsweek story. Well, yeah, but yeah. I, it was um, very early internet, and yeah. to see how like sixty minutes, the Today Show, all these kinds of places scrambled to suck up to people that to help them get guests you know that they want you know the, yeah. the get interview stuff was really kind of fascinating um yeah and you know people coming out you know, it's like funny i remember being at i think it was the white house correspondence dinner and a, and people would come up to me and you know my mom had friends in washington because she used to work here and all that kind of stuff and sure. so i used to meet people all the time and who once knew my mom or my dad and that kind of thing and but people would come up to me and say oh hi jonah um would love you know love to talk to your mom um lucian and i go way back we are great friends and i'd be like <laughs> you're such good friends you don't even know how to pronounce my mom's name <laughs> i mean like yeah, she's been yeah. lucianne for 65 right. years at that point or whatever it was <laughs> and um yeah and so that all that stuff was interesting i have regrets about some of it you know, it took me, I used to have a big chip on my shoulder about some of it, but I wouldn't have, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gone to NR were it not for it. Um, wouldn't yeah. have started the G file weren't for it. Wouldn't have started NRO right. were for it. And I worked really, really right. hard not to be like associated with it. And so a big part of it was sort of sure. a, a ritual on my part of, you know, you, you leapfrogged a bunch of people in terms of getting exposure and all that kind of stuff. Now right. you got to you got to own it and you got to earn it. Yeah. And if you just, yeah. all you do is talk about this stuff. That's all you're ever going to be known for. And I didn't want to be known about it. So I got into it in large part because I was pissed off because people were saying evil things about my mom. 
And sure. um, I mean, the things that like the DNC was, I mean, people would send me the talking points the DNC was putting around. Uh, Paul Begala yeah. would say sh stuff about my mom that you wouldn't, you know, all that kind of stuff. And since then, I kind of like yeah. Paul Begala, but um, <laughs> uh, it was a heady time. So that's all I can say. About that. Yeah. And it's one thing in, in DC and the media world out here, like it's one thing to get the attention. It's another thing to keep it. <laughs> You know, like people will throw you to the wayside if you're not interesting anymore. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I give this advice to like somebody was mentioning this on I, someone I didn't know um, was saying was telling a story about how they asked my opinion about something on Twitter the other day. Mm -hmm. And at least I didn't I didn't recognize the name. And, you know, the question was the thing was uh, someone asked me about some up and coming pundit type and mm -hmm. and. The the what he attributed to me sounds right because I say this to all to people all the time is yeah um it's really easy to get briefly famous or or right. controversial yeah. and all that kind of stuff yeah the trick is if you actually want to be a writer is stick to itiveness right you know and like right. I, I gotta tell you I mean at National Review every eight months there'd be some new flavor of the month young person who's getting all the attention you know and and right. sometimes because they broke a story um yeah and uh and then two years later i'm asking Catherine lopez what was that guy's name um yeah. and like, jack um, butler i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um but no but th there's a there's a there's a there's a real problem with this stuff too which is that there are people who get so hooked on getting called to be on tv shows that when the calls right. stop they freak out and I've seen it a million yeah. times, not just to writer types, right. but like to like Joe the plumber types. I mean, things like that happen right. to like normal people that become famous for a little while. Oh my God. Remember Ken Bone? Ken Bone. The guy yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. The guy that was like in the red sweater at the at the at the debate. And like I saw a story, like a follow-up with him a couple of years ago, I think, even at this point. And he seemed a little like depressed. Yeah. Like he was he was it for like a month. Yeah. And then and then it went away because like there was nothing substantive to him. Like I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a nice man, but like there was nothing. He wasn't a great intellectual. And so he just lost the attention. Right. And he was like, my life sucks now. <laughs> like it's, it's having that tasting that sweet, sweet fame is addicting. Well, I mean, I, I made this call about Milo. Yeah. Right. Yeah, whatever yeah. that guy, right. Whatever. Who used to like troll me all the time saying the reason I don't like him is because he has, He's more famous than me, or because he uh, has uh, more Google results than me, and it was like ridiculous. Um, it had nothing to do with the fact that he was a depraved liar who, you know, bragged yeah. about his, you know, abonophilic, you know, or you know, affairs with a priest. You know, it had nothing to do with any of that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and his defenses yeah. of sort of underage homosexual affairs and whatnot. Um, yeah. Um, or his defense of the alt right and Nazism. It had to be because he was more famous than me. And um, right. But this is the problem you get with a lot of controversialists is, you know, and you can see it with people who are very good at it and have been successful and made a career out of it, like Ann Coulter. And you can see it with people like the president, like Donald Trump, too. I mean, like there are people who yeah. freak out when they don't see their name and is trending or in Google alerts or whatever. And so they chase the high and they start saying and doing things that will get them back into the mix. And it's just a terrible, terrible habit. Like if you don't have a reason to be controversial, stirring up controversy just to 
get the attention is 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 like just not just bad for the country it's bad for your soul and it it happens exactly, it happens yeah. all the time and it's it's yeah i can see it unfolding with some people you know Yanopolis is a is a fascinating example of that and of events events unfolding dear jonah because we've been the span of about two years there during that bizarre pocket of time he went from just another tech journalist in this country desperate to get famous to famous internet troll supervillain puppet of steve bannon you couldn't go on Google or YouTube or any of those platforms without seeing his face and his perfectly yeah. slick back hair to next minute he's on Bill Maher, next minute those videos come out and his entire career is destroyed and I barely even heard his name for about four years now. Yeah, I think I, he yeah. just yeah. sells magic beans. Literally. Well, no, 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 yeah. no. This is actually, I think, fascinating. I would love to read a good, obviously skeptical uh, profile <laughs> of, of, of Milo. Because now um, he calls himself a recovering homosexualist. <laughs> I saw this, yes. <laughs> because, like, wow, he now takes the position that, that because he, he's trying to ingratiate himself with sort of fever swampy Christian radical yeah, types. Right. And so you can't. He's got nothing left. It, so you have to buy into the notion that there's a choice to being gay. And right. so he calls himself a recovering homosexualist because it was an ideological position, not anything wow. having to do with his wiring or any of this kind of stuff. And you just you just like listen to him talk about how he still lives with the guy he used to call his boyfriend or husband or whatever, but they're now not having relationships or relations. Sure. And uh, he keeps him happy by giving him jewelry or whatever. And you're just like, I don't believe any of this story. Yeah, of uh, <laughs> but uh does anyone but he's uh, like one of these guys who's just addicted to to google results you know and twitter yeah, trending and same. that kind of stuff and it's such a sad in indictment of your life that you've reached the point where you can't do anything else to earn a living but grift yeah. by sucking up to hyper christian christians who want conversion therapy to become mainstream again that's that's yeah. where you have to get money and notoriety from because yeah. no one else will look at you or hire you. Wow. Um, so anyway, on that cheery note. Um, <laughs> wow. That's your uh, future, Ryan. So anyway, what was the, the impeachment show? Is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh, on, on the Norm Macdonald stuff? Just finishing up. Like, what was the best thing that you heard on the Norm Macdonald stuff? Oh my gosh! I mean, there's so many. I, so I, I hadn't seen the um, the Conan clip where he's on with the actress from Melrose Place. Oh, that Courtney Thorne Smith, who I used to have yes. very warm feelings for. Um, sure. I, I liked I would, her a great I would imagine. deal. I, I, I would imagine. I, I, I found her pleasing to the male gaze as a, as a teenager <laughs> and 20-something. I'm just going to admit it. I would imagine. And uh, I had never seen that clip before he died of him. That was awesome. Of Conan, of Conan being like, do something with that norm and then he goes uh you know what i'll, I'll put it yeah, in. yeah put the I'll clip in. in yeah yeah no it's really good. i'll put it in here because also it, it like beats up on carrot top and there's just nothing greater than yeah on top. it's yeah exactly i'll put it in right here but uh what's the movie going to be called really? i know what it's going to be called yeah what's that <laughs> if it's got carrot top in it you know what a good name for it would be what's that norm box office poison <laughs> 
Smith, the girl sitting to your left, is in the movie. I'm gonna go see it for fun. <laughs> After you scare everybody else away. No, I love this girl. Win. I would see any movie with this girl in it. She's a beautiful lady and, and a talented, nice talk show guest. Okay. As evidenced by her appearance on our rival show. All right, well, there's this two-hour season finale of Melrose Place. There's this movie coming out. Yes. Title undetermined at this point. Chairman of the board. Oh, all right. Do something with that, you freak. <laughs> I, I bet the board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. now we're gonna have collective soul in a second courtney thorne smith we hope she's still our friend we do love have you seen carrot top recently no i've never i haven't like i don't is he still a thing like maybe he's in the milo world but i haven't heard anything about him. i don't know i mean i don't know if the pictures are recent but like like every now and then oh you mean literally seen him yeah yeah i mean like he got all oh, roided no. up and like i don't know if you ever saw oh. like the last uh of the installments of the hunger game movies but like in there, yeah. like people like are genetically engineered to look like animals and right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He yeah. looks like a full on chimera between, really? uh, you know, a human being and some other lesser primate. Um, it's yeah. really freaky. <laughs> looking. Um, and that, and as a redhead, I can say this, but as a redhead himself, that can be extra freaky, like an extra pale yeah. person looking all roided up and, it's it can be startling well i mean and, um, and so because people can't see you they should also know that you have like cleft palate a unibrow and you're like seven right. eight so like you do stick out yeah. too um uh <laughs> yes. yes but um and you and you have that thing with the glass eye where you're constantly tapping out into gata devita with a ballpoint <laughs> pen on your glass eye which is like super exactly. distracting declan complains about it all the time it, it um, attracts a lot of senators when I'm roaming the hallways of the Capitol. Yeah, well, I mean, as as I'll, Milo I'll, I'll would tell it, you, negative attention is better than no attention at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So, like, I I missed. Everyone kept talking about the moth joke, and I hadn't heard it. And then I finally heard the moth oh, joke. Yeah. I love the moth joke. Um. Yeah. And if you if you can get the audio of that, we should play that too. Yeah. The backstory from Conan I thought was really interesting. Um. So. Apparently what happened, short version, in the early days of Conan, they um, had guests cancel them all the time because the you know Conan show yeah. didn't matter to anybody. Right. And right. so they had a guest cancel. And since they worked at 30 Rock, they just got Norm MacDonald to come on and do a set, you know, or do one segment. Mm -hmm. But Conan loved um, Norm so much that they told him, yeah. they surprised him and said, you got to do a second segment. And Norm Macdonald uh, says to the executive producer, "You guys, I got nothing here. I have no, I have nothing prepared right. for a second segment. What, what are we? What do you want me to do? Oh, you'll be great. Right. So he tells this shaggy dog <laughs> moth story, which I won't ruin for listeners because we'll play it. Um, yeah. And the amazing, so the amazing thing to listen to when you're listening to the story is he's extemporaneously doing that whole thing. That really? it is like the version of the joke that he got told was like a 20 second joke, and 
he turns it <laughs> on the fly into like an eight minute joke or a seven minute joke or whatever. And that's amazing. That's just really, really, really great. Really impressive. That's amazing. Uh, put guy, put that in the show notes. I'm not going to play all eight minutes of the joke in the, in the podcast. I don't know if that, I don't know if they'd stick around for Why that. Why don't yeah. you put it in the show notes, Brown? Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can put it in, but it's very long. All right. Well, it's very I, long. I, I leave it to you guys on how to do that. It can come in after the credits okay. or whatever. Um, oh, that's a good idea. Um, but yeah, so no, people want to stick around best. for it, can listen for it. People who don't want to stick around and listen for it, whatever. Perfect. You know, see, it's, Perfect. It's this kind of upper management decision making that, you know. Wow. Is, You're good. I'm known for. All You're right. Good. So we're not going to talk about the border. Um, we're not going to do any of that stuff. I think we're just going to wrap things up. Um, I got to write a G file. So uh, we're going to go. Thanks for showing up. Um, and uh, I know there are a lot of lists, there are a lot of partisans on the solo podcast thing. It's not going away. We're still experimenting with some format stuff, but the solo podcast will be a regular thing. And um, other than that, I'll see you guys next time. You know, this is a podcast. Now, not all your material comes uh, from, the, from the news. Is that right? You know, no, you, some you, of my material comes, my strongest material comes from real life. Real life? Like, for instance, today I was driving in a, a car. Mm -hmm. You were kind enough to bring a car to bring this old chunk of coal here to the studio. <laughs> we, send, we send cars for our guests, yes. Yeah, so I got in it, and that's, I, you know, I get material that way. So my driver, What do you mean? What, what, how do you get material that way? You get in the car, and what happens? Uh, my driver tells me a joke. <laughs> The driver we sent to pick you up told you a joke. Yeah. And you're going to tell it now on the show. Yeah, that's how I get a lot of my material. <laughs> okay. Why don't we just have him on next time? Uh, that guy. You, yeah, that guy. No, wait till you hear me do it. <laughs> so the guy, he goes, uh, uh -huh. he, uh, I say, uh, I'll be the guy. Okay. Uh, a moth. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office. Right. You are correct. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office, mm -hmm. and uh, the podiatrist's office says, what's the problem? And the moth says, what's the problem? Where do I begin, man? He goes, I go to work for uh, Gregory Olinovich, and uh, all day long I work. <laughs> Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if Gregory Olinovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me. And that seems to bring him happiness. But I don't know. I wake up in a malaise and I, I walk here and there. And the podiatrist says, oh, yeah? And the moth goes, yes. And he goes, uh, at night I, I sometimes wake up and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm. A lady that I once loved, Doc. I don't know where to turn to. My youngest, Alexandria. She fell in the, in, the, in the cold of last year. Mm -hmm. The cold took her down, as it did many of us. <laughs> and my other boy. 
And this is the hardest pill to swallow, Doc. My other boy, Gregaro Ivinolitovich. I no longer love him. As much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I, that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. If only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps, perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. And in this hellish facade, once How and long for a all, drive was this? <laughs> do you live in the valley? Where do you live? Please, sorry. He says, Doc. Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth. Just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the, moth, the, the doctor says, Moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, because the light was on. My congratulations to anyone who stuck it through to the end. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.